Well, it's settled that of all the churches that I am in, none can hold a light to that saint. So many levels, so many flavors. Ah, I love it. And how that, from the congregation, you sing so well. It just uh, blesses my heart. I have been strengthened and encouraged. And all of these songs have contained the gospel. And it has uh, been a blessing. Uh, Every year, I'm in between 60 and 70 churches. And many of them have good singing, but (laughs) it doesn't touch what you've got here. What a blessing. Don't take that for granted. I know a lot of works went into it. And then uh, I got online to listen to your pastor preach. Now, I've heard him preach other places, but I wanted to see how he'd done at home. <laughs> so I jumped in on the Gospel of John. My goodness. I said, I don't even know why I'm here. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I tell you, if I lived anywhere around here, right here's where I'd be. (laughs) If people still wanted the gospel, this place here, you'd have to build and rebuild. A pure gospel. Let's take our Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Genesis. Chapter 25, you pray for us as we venture on, we'll be praying for you, get to go back home to my sweetheart, she's normally with me, bless her heart, she does everything. She cuts my hair. She cuts the grass. She loves to cut grass. Now, I'm not going to stop her. Now, that's the truth. She's raised on a farm. She could plow and disc and hire when she was just a young girl. She loves that outdoor stuff. But she likes to do it the hottest part of the day. So I watch her through the window. (laughs) True story, I was there one day at the house. A guy knocked on the door. Some kind of a service or something he was asking about. (coughs) And um, he said, is that woman married? And she's out there mowing I'm telling you, Alabama is close to 100 degrees. And I said, uh, who? She, he said, that woman right there on that lawnmower, she married? He, I said, well, yes. He said, shoot, I'd marry her in a minute. <laughs> I said, well, could you bring her by every two weeks to mow the But that being said now, I buy her new blades every Mother's Day. (laughs) First time I did it, she cried. Yeah. Then I get to go see that for the first time, hold that great-grandbaby. Wow. I'm looking forward to that. Been such a blessing, and we thank you for letting us come this way. You pray that the greatest thing uh, that the Lord would give us would be a freshness. So I forgot to tell you, my wife also is my doctor. At least she thinks she is. <laughs> of late, I've, had, I've come down with something a, a couple of times. I still don't know. I don't go to the doctor. She's my doctor. And she'll just come up with all this 
you know, concoction and this, that, and the other. I just take it. Cancel the meeting. She said, I said, call them and tell them I'm sick. She said, no, we can get this better. So, I mean, this past week, I had come down with something and uh, coughing, hacking, cold, whatever. <coughs> and she said, uh, I mean, she went to work on it immediately. And uh, when it's all said and done, after everything she gave me, I, I started complaining. She said, well, don't you feel better? I said, yeah. But what's my name? <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what I've been taking. But she, she's a, she is a physician also. But you pray that the Lord will keep us fresh. That's the main thing. We go from week to week to week, and uh, we desire a freshness for the Lord. Had our grandson with us uh, years ago. He was about three years old. His dad's a pastor. He goes to church, but not as much as we do. We were in the fifth wheel at a certain place. And so on the first night, she had him in the bedroom in there getting him ready. And I heard him say, Mama E, that's what they call her. Where are we going? And she said, well, we're going to church. And so she got him ready. We went to church. Next night, I heard her in there getting him ready, and he said, Ma-E, where are we going? And she said, well, we're going to church. And so that went all week, and finally on the last night, I heard her, and he asked her the same question, getting, getting him ready. He said, Ma-E, where are we going? She said, we're going to church. He broke down and started crying. He said, I don't want to go to church. I was in the other room. I started crying too. I said, I don't want to go either. <laughs> but I got to. <laughs> All right. Genesis chapter number 25, if you will. I want us to look, begin reading in verse number 21. Genesis 25, verse. 21. The Bible said, Then Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. The one people shall be stronger than the other people. The elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out. Red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out. The goings and comings, the went and came. And his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob, trickster, conniver, one who will trip you up, manipulator. His name was called Jacob. Now let's go to chapter number 32, if you will. Verse 24. This is some 93 years later. Verse number 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. When he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go. 
I'm interested for a few moments tonight on what I call Jacob's squeeze. In the goings and comings of his life, the went and came. He begins at his birth, holding on to his brother Esau's heel. They've been fighting in the womb. But it seems as though as he journeys along that he continues struggling, gripping, pressing, wrestling, and as we say, squeezing. We all know about his contention with his brother Esau as he is trying to get that birth, that blessing and that birthright tries to wheel and deal with a bowl of soup to beat his brother out of it. Ventures beyond that and even goes to his blind father Isaac, lies to him and tells him that he is Esau so that he might bless him instead of Esau who was the firstborn. In so doing, in chapter 27, verse 35, here's how Isaac describes this to Esau. And he said, thy brother came. He's already come out of the womb, but if you'll take the time to read his life, it's full of these goings and comings. But it seems as though that in every setting, he's at war there's a battle that is raging. He is causing trouble and he is leaving devastation behind. Thy brother came with subtility and hath taken away thy blessing. And then uh, if you would look on over to chapter number 29, I believe it is, Chapter number 28 and verse number 5. And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went to Padanaram unto Laban, the son of Bethuel the Syrian, brother of Rebekah, Jacob and Esau's mother. So he's venturing on. He's going and coming. He's caused a mess at home. Esau's already said, when dad's dead, Jacob's dead. So the father realizes he's got to separate them, so he sends him off. And he goes. Chapter 29 and verse 1, Then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. And you know the story about that, how that he marries the two daughters of his uncle and uh, then begins to work for him in raising cattle and there is great strife that arises there and somehow he basically swindles his uncle out of his cattle and uh, the scripture tells us that he had to leave or he had to get out basically of town chapter number 32 and verse 1, and Jacob went on his way. At night, he flees from his uncle Laban. Going back to the place of the text of which I read in chapter 32, on that night, he hears that Esau's coming to meet him. He does not think this is going to be a greeting. But it may be that it's going to pick up where it left off. And here he finds himself in the midst of the goings and comings and went and came in life, a victim of his own causes. He has spent his whole life holding, gripping, pressing, choking, wrestling, and squeezing doing his best to control all the people and the circumstances that are a part of his life. 
He wants to determine the outcome of the matters, controlling the factors in all events. He wants to dominate. I was just wondering before I jump into this, y'all know anybody like that? A squeezer? Someone that wants to be in charge and control and has to... Are there anybody, anybody live down here like that? Determined to fight, to get things their way. Now I realize that Jacob died 3,500 years ago. But my goodness, I thought I saw him this morning. <laughs> While I was looking in the mirror. Shaving. There's a whole lot of Jacob in all of us, isn't it? Sometimes painful to see yourself represented in these figures in the Bible. I heard about the old farmers out plowing one day and he plowed up a brass mirror. He'd never seen a mirror. And he looked into that brass mirror and he thought it was a picture of his grandpa. So he took it in the house and slid it in the drawer where he could keep it for keepsake. His wife saw him put it in there, and so when he went outside, she slipped up with there and opened it up and reached in and got that brass mirror, and she looked at it real close, and she said, Ah, so that's that old hag he's been running after. <laughs> Be careful as to how you look into these scriptures. You may catch a glimpse of yourself. He begins holding and gripping and fighting and all along the way he does much of the same and now we find him coming out of the womb. He's holding on to his brother's heel. 93 years later, one night, he's wrestling with an angel and has that angel in a full Nelson. That angel tells him, I think, probably what his brother tried to tell him, Esau. That angel tells him what I think his mother tried to tell him. That angel tells him what I think his father tried to tell him. That angel tells him, I think, what his uncle tried to tell him. He said on that night that angel did what Jacob need to hear. He said to him, let me go. Turn me loose. Now understand. Understand. I commend Jacob for what he wanted. He wanted the blessings of God. Don't we all want his blessings? But he went about it the wrong way in his gripping and holding and squeezing. But here's the truth of the matter. I underscore this. Jacob is never going to be able to grasp and enjoy the blessings of God until he releases and lets go of some things. Can I say to you tonight, what is it along your life's journey that you're wrestling with, you're struggling with, you're holding on to, you are fighting with? And as a result of it, you're not able to even enjoy the blessings that God has promised you. Could it be tonight he's saying to you, turn loose of that? Will you let that go? Stop it! <laughs> and I want to preach for a few moments just four thoughts. Let go and let God. First of all, I would say to you, if Jacob is going to enjoy the blessings of God that are evident and everywhere, but he's too busy fighting to enjoy them, if he is going to enjoy the blessings of God, he's going to have to let go and let God have the things 
that he can do. Jacob is a very strong man. He is a very witty man. He is a very gifted man. You would not want to try to fight Jacob. Now, the truth of the matter is he's going to win on the human level every time. He outwitted Esau. He outwitted his daddy. He outwitted Laban. He's good at what he does. But that is his problem. He does what he does because he can do it. He can sell his brother a bowl of soup, and he does instead of giving it to him. He can deceive his blind father, and he does because his father cannot tell the difference. He can beat his uncle out of his cattle. He's moved three days' journey from him. He doesn't understand what's happening over there. And he does it because he can do it. But the result of that is, what he has done has created misery everywhere. For everybody, including himself. Because when you read the text, the most miserable person in the text is not Esau, is not his daddy, it's not Laban, it's Jacob. He has created misery and he's blaming it on everybody else. Which has to be answered by saying, oh, wait a minute, Jake. Let's do an analysis. Let's check the fingerprints on this and see whose they are. And I promise you that his handprints were indelibly upon all of the messes in his life. And can I say to you tonight, in the struggles, the warfares that we go through, for the most part, for the most part, the problem is not what everybody else has done, it's what we've done. And therefore, we have left our handprints upon it. His handprint is all over the agony of his life. And as a result of all of those silly battles, that sorry behavior, those shady bargainings, he did not consider the outcome. You can do what you can do. You can make that telephone call and you can dial them off. You can go ahead and punch them in the face if you're bigger and badder. You can talk about somebody and talk them into the ground. But the problem is there is an outcome of it and it is misery on your part and on my part. He finds himself in the midst of brokenness and bitterness and emptiness and loneliness, one tragic jumbled up mess after another. May it be our prayer, God, help me not to do just because I can do it. Help me to keep my hands off things. Help me not to leave my imprint upon them. I don't want to do it just because I can do it. I think David is a great example of that. Saul, who made David his enemy, tried to kill him on several occasions. Found himself, David did, in the same cave as Saul was. And his mighty men said, let's take and run him through with the spear. God has put him in your hand. And David said, oh no, I will lay no hand upon God's anointed. I'll leave this matter up to him. Oh, that in the journeys of life that we would be cautious and careful, that we would not touch things we're not supposed to touch. 
that we would not leave our mark upon things that we're not supposed to leave our marks upon. If he's going to enjoy, are you listening to me, church? If you're going to enjoy the blessings of God, I want you to. I want to enjoy the blessings of God. He wants to, us to enjoy. You're going to have to let go and let God have the things you can do. Don't just do them. They'll get you in trouble. The second thing that I would say to you is if Jacob's going to enjoy the blessings of God, He's not only going to have to let go and let God have the things he can do. There's some things you can do that other people can't do. You can overpower them as a result of that. But there's going to be trouble and your handprint is going to be upon it. He's going to have to let go and let God not only have what he can do, but let go. Listen to this. (laughs) It's where we all are. He's going to have to let go and let God have the things he cannot do. Everything that Jacob is trying to do is impossible, not virtually impossible. It is impossible. Did not Jesus say that without me ye can do what? Nothing. 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 He's trying to put a square peg in a round hole and it won't fit. Some things you can't control. As a matter of fact, we must understand that these things are under God's control. He is trying to change the divine purposes of God. Would you not agree that God has all to do with the order of life? Do you think the Lord was surprised when Esau was born first? That maybe he called Michael the archangel and said, get in here, you and Gabriel. What happened? (laughs) You know I wasn't going to put Esau. He wasn't going to get the... Well, how'd you... Now look what we got to (laughs) do. No, he divinely set that up. Brought him out of the womb first. But Jacob can't figure that out. So what he feels like is, I've got to help God out. I know God wants me to have the blessing and the birthright. I just feel that in my heart. I mean, I mean, Jacob's a, a pretty good Christian. He just will lie and cheat and steal every now and then. <laughs> As we notice in here. And if we're not careful in the best of who we are, when we begin to try to create things that are beyond our power to create, we're going to create messes. The divine purposes of God, you can't change. Can't change it. Poor old Jacob did not know that God works backwards to our thinking. God will always be headed in the opposite direction. I'm thinking about in Genesis. We always think of the, uh, of the morning and the evening in the order of the day, but it said that the evening and the morning were the first day. That's God's work. He is the one that ordered it. He's the one that made it to where Esau was born first and that Jacob is born second, but God can take care of all of that. When it looks impossible, don't jump on board and try to change things you can't change. (laughs) And it's represented right here. How many of you tonight are married? Raise your hand. The husband and wife, raise your hand. All right. We've all tried that, haven't we? Think about that bride. Do you remember when you were a bride walking down that aisle looking at that dashing young man waiting on you and and you're thinking, I know what you're thinking. Same thing every other bride thinks. Boy, I love him. He's so wonderful. But I'll tell you something. He ain't going to act like his daddy. Huh? How many times our wives own up to it? You married somebody that wasn't perfect, but what you thought was, I can change him. I'll fix him. Don't worry about it. I got it. I know. I know what to do. 
And some of you have been married 40 years. You've been squeezing and choking and gripping that man, and he still ain't changed. Can I get an amen from you ladies? Have you changed him any? Same thing with you husband. She come down the aisle, said the most beautiful thing I ever seen, but she ain't gonna spend money like her mama. Huh? So y'all, she goes to Walmart, goes shopping, comes in and says, how much money you spent? She's going to lie to you. Don't ask her that. Oh, she'll talk about the, all the bargains she got. All this is on sale. But my account's still broke. I don't care if it's on sale or not. But I'm going to tell you something. That, you've been married 40, 50 years, and she's still coming in, and you still ain't stopped nothing. Because I'm going to tell you something. We didn't get into this thing of marriage of trying to change one another. We got in this thing of marriage realizing that God's in charge of her and God's in charge of you. And if there's any fixing that has to be done, he'll have to fix it. Get your hands off that. Let go and let God have the things you can do. Don't run around up thinking you're going to straighten everything out. And let God have the things you cannot do. Now that we got marriage straightened out. <laughs> he cannot change the purposes of God. He cannot change the passions of his father. The Bible said... That Esau was loved by his father and he was loved by his mother. And how many times sitting across the table, he could notice that his father was looking at Esau different than he was looking at him with more passion and more compassion and more love, more interested in him. And, and, And how many times that he wanted his father to grab him and hug him like he saw him hug Esau. But I'm going to tell you something. You don't have the power to change your heart. You just can't do it. Had a young man in the church that I pastored years ago. And uh, I asked him one day, I said, uh, you got your girlfriend? He said, yes, yeah, sure do. He said, I'm thinking about marriage. I said, man, marriage? That caught me by surprise. He said, yeah, yeah, I think I'm married. I said, well, have you talked to her? He said, no. I said, do you mean you hadn't even talked to her? He said, no. I said, well, maybe she ought to know about it. <laughs> and it didn't work out. I don't even think it got to the conversation. But what I'm saying is you can't convince somebody to love you. You can't stir up those things. I'm going to tell you just so much on the divine level and the human level that we can relax and quit trying to get involved in what we cannot change. It is beyond our capability. If you're going to enjoy God's blessing, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to let go and let God have what you can do. And you're going to have to let God have what you cannot do. But thirdly, I want to say to you, and I, I see this over in chapter number 32, verse Seven, eight, nine. I want to say it this way. If you're going to enjoy God's blessing, and don't you want to enjoy it? You're going to have to quit fighting, struggling, wrestling with something, losing sleep. You're going to have to let go. He's going to have to let go and let God have what he is doing. As far as I can tell, if you'll notice in verse number uh, nine, as far as I can tell, this is the first time that Jacob, I believe, is in the complete will of God. And notice how he prays. He's finally gotten to where he needs to be. Well, let's go to verse 7. Then Jacob 
was greatly afraid and distressed. And he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and the herd and so on. And he said, if Esau come to the one uh, company and smite it, then the other. He's afraid what Esau's going to do. And, then, and notice in verse 9, Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, the Lord which says to me, He said, I'm here because you told me, return into thy country and to thy kindred and I will deal well with thee. I'm not worthy of the least of all thy mercies and of the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant for with the staff I passed over Jordan and now I have come back back as two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee. (laughs) Boy, that's a different attitude, isn't it? From the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me. And as far as I can tell, this is, he's as close to being right with God for the first time at 93 years old as he has been at any time. And he's finally doing everything he prayed that showed that what he's doing is what God wanted him to do. But, just because you're finally saved and in the will of God and praying and going to church and giving and doing what God wants you to do does not mean that the battles are not going to hunt you down. I mean, he's right here, right smack dab in the middle of the will of God. He is here, he is praying, he is obeying, he is doing what God would have him to do as God wanted him to do. He's there, he's there. And then he hears that Esau's coming. Oh my goodness, here we go again, that old dead horse. Now he's got three choices. He's got three choices. He's finally where he needs to be. You can tell it in his prayer. You can sense it. And they said, Esau's coming with 330 men. Last he heard from Esau, Esau was going to kill him. So he's pretty sure that Esau's not coming for a family reunion (laughs) with 330 men. He's got three choices. One, he can say, I'll tell you what, bless God. I've still got some fight in me. If he wants to come, we'll just see what the old man can do. Go back and tell him to come on. I got one more gusto in me. (laughs) But you can tell he's done with that. He ain't going to fight that fight anymore. He he could get in the fight again, but it's going to drag him right down in that same old hole. Haven't you been done that way? Haven't you felt that? You thought, man, I got the, I got the, I'm going to tell you what, they don't bother me anymore. And then here it comes again. And you feel yourself being drawn down into that, that same old battle that you realize you can't win no way. Here comes Esau. What? I'm finally... Got everything settled, and here he comes. Second thing he can do is he can turn and run back to Mesopotamia. I'm getting out of town, buddy. I thought it was bad with Uncle Laban. It ain't going to be half as bad as it's going to be here. I'm moving on. But if he does, he'll be out of the will of God again. The third thing he can do is he can take Esau and put him in God's hands. And it is here while he is finally praying and while he is finally obeying and while he is finally doing the will of God that instead of getting into that fight, he finds a place of prayer so quickly and says, Oh God, you know, you know what's coming. I can't handle it. I don't want to handle it. I've not been able to handle it. Would you take care of Esau? You'll never be able to enjoy the blessings of God until you let go and let God have the things that you are doing. Don't let something slip in there 
and turn you sideways and draw you into a situation that's going to destroy your relationship with God. It ain't worth the fight. It ain't worth the fight. Give it to God. <laughs> Give it to God. Are you hearing me? Give it to God. Whatever it is, whoever it is, however it is, give it to God and keep on doing what you're supposed to do. You say, what am I supposed to do in a situation like this? Keep praying. Keep worshiping. Keep going to the house of God. Keep giving. Keep serving the Lord. Just keep on singing. You'll have to let go and let God have the things he can't. Don't just do it because you can do it. Let God have the things he can't do. You're not able to change it. Let God have the things you are doing. Thank God you're here tonight. Thank God you've been able to worship tonight. Don't let anything disturb that. It ain't worth the misery. But I bring you to the last thought. If you're going to enjoy the blessings of God, if Jacob's going to enjoy the blessings of God, he's going to have to let go and let God have the things that God has already done. I think it's a little sad. If you'll look back in chapter number 25, And look, if you will, in verse 23. If his mama had to set him down as a child and said, Jake, son, don't get all disturbed about Esau and, and the blessing of the birthright. Let me tell you what God told me when you were in the womb. Before there ever was a Jacob, God had blessed him. Because what did he say while they were fighting in the womb? He said, the younger, who's that? Who's the younger? Jacob. Or the elder, let me get it right now. The elder, who's that? Esau. Shall do what? Hmm. Hey, Jake, give him the bowl of soup. God's already said he's going to bless you. Jacob, don't put his clothes on and get to smelling like him and looking like him and tricking your father. He's already said, from the womb, before you ever was you, you're blessed. Are we not blessed with all spiritual blessings? What are we struggling with, honey? You've got it all in Christ. Yeah. In heavenly places. Yeah. Hey, Jake, let, him have, let your uncle have his... It's, you don't need those in it. Just God has already blessed you before there ever was a you. <laughs> Do you believe that? Well, what's struggle all about? Hmm? Now, I'm preaching to myself. Let go and let God have the things he's already done. Before there was a you. You think he was surprised when I got saved? Oh, well, I didn't expect this one. <laughs> oh, no. Uh-uh. He had it all planned. Before there was a you, let go and let God have the things he's already done. Before there was a you, but can I say to you, the biggest thing is you're going to have to let go and let God have the things he's already done in spite of you. <laughs> God has blessed us and done so much and the only resistance, listen to me, listen to me. Jacob was blessed by God. And there I mean, he, the, the, the scripture, he's blessed, he's blessed by God. But there was one person that could rob him of that blessing. One person that could keep him, let me say it this way. That Jacob's got the blessing God had already given, but there's one person to keep him from enjoying it. 
Somebody said, well, I tell you what, it's just hard to be, enjoy being saved with Esau as your brother. And so that's why you're not enjoying it. Well, I want to tell you, I, I feel better about the, the, you know, my life and everything. If, if it wasn't for my dad, he likes Esau. Can't understand that. My Uncle Laban even makes it worse. It's just hard to shout and sing and everything when you've got so much against you, keeping you from enjoying the Lord. <laughs> huh? But I'm going to tell you something. It wasn't Esau keeping him from enjoying the blessings. It was not Laban keeping him from enjoying the blessings. It was not his daddy nor his mama. You know who was keeping him from enjoying his blessing? Jacob. Now, honey, if you're not enjoying what you have in Christ, it's nobody else's fault. Check and see if your fingerprint's on it. What is it you're trying to fix? Just accept the fact that he has blessed you in spite of you. Who would have blessed Jacob? I mean, that's the meanest rascal you've ever seen. I'd a whole lot rather had Esau as my neighbor than I would Jacob. <laughs> huh? A couple of illustrations I close. He's going to have to let go. What is it God wants you to just turn loose from so you can enjoy what you've got? Several years ago, a friend of mine said to me, he said, uh, do you ever water ski? I said, no, I hadn't. He said, come on down to my house. I got a boat on the lake. And I'll set you up, and you can water ski. They ain't nothing like it. Man, the breezes and the thrill, exhilarating. And I said, well, okay, if it's that good, I'll try it. I was a sucker. <laughs> so I went down there, and he said, now, here's how we do it. You got the life jacket on. He put, thank God for that. <laughs> and he said, now what you lay back, you do is you lay back and then you get these uh, jet skis and you put them on your feet and then that, root, uh, that rope that's connected to that triangular uh, thing there uh, said, you just hold on that and said, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to start pulling you easy but then I'm going to get going 35 miles an hour. When I get going 35 miles an hour, you just feel it, you just pull up on that bar and just come right up. Man, you're going to enjoy it. And so you ski forwards if you want to. You can turn around and ski backwards. You can ski on one leg. The other thing, I said, well, I can't wait. Let's get going. <laughs> and so he took off. Give me the sign. He took off 35 miles an hour, I assume. Have you ever felt water going up your nose at 35 <laughs> miles an hour? <laughs> Clean out all my, I couldn't get up. I couldn't not get up. And I know my wife was on the boat. She was dying. I could just see her. I could picture her. She's dying laughing. No way I could get up. I mean, he wasn't slowing down. So I said to myself, I, I'm just going to give it one more pull. I'm going to give it a pull as hard as, surely if he can do it, I can do it. I'll give it. And I gave it a pull, one more gust. So, and man, I felt myself coming up. I came up out of the water and nonstop. <laughs> Have you ever had your face hit water at 35 miles an hour? Now, there was a part of information they forgot to tell me. That once you wreck or whatever it is, you turn loose of the bar. <laughs> I did not know that. Here was my thinking. They're going to run off and leave me and laugh about it. I'm not turning loose from the bar. <laughs> I held on to that bar, and it'll take you as far down deep as that rope. I saw catfish half the size of my body. I mean, I just rolled, being pulled right by. And I mean, I was holding on, holding on. I'm pretty soon I realized I was running out of breath. 
I come to my senses and I thought, you know, if I don't turn loose, it ain't going to hurt them. It's going to kill me. I got to turn. I turned loose of that bar. I shot to the top. And man, I'm going to tell you, I was within a second of death. That was my story. And I mean, I was close. They brought that boat around real slow. And my wife was laying over the side, slapping her leg and laughing. I was near death. But I'm going to tell you something. You can hold on to some things to try to spite somebody else. But I promise you, it ain't hurting them half as bad as it's going to hurt you. You better turn it loose. That's why you're miserable. One more illustration. I, uh, a few years back, my suits started shrinking on me. <laughs> At the cleaners. I know it was them because they all did it. I started to get a lawsuit. And my wife said, no, honey, it ain't the suits, it's you. And I'm getting tired of seeing your belly. Let's go to K&G's there in Atlanta and we will get a larger suit. I said, honey, I don't want a larger suit. I don't want to tell people I wear that large of a suit. I said, you know, all brands are different. Some make them that'll fit one size and, you know, and so we'll just go there and search through my size and one of those brands will fit me. She said, okay, let's give it a try. So we went to that huge warehouse of suits. And so I went through my size of every brand and nothing wanted to come together, nothing. And she's standing right beside me. She's already got the suit she knew she was going to pick out when we went. And it was bigger. And I wouldn't pay in it no mind. And so finally there was a gentleman, kind fella, young fella walked up. She said to him, sir, could you help my husband figure out what size suit he needs to wear? He said, yes, ma'am, I can do that. And she reached him that suit. <laughs> he took the suit and he came around and he put it on me. You know how they do it like that. And then, and then he buttoned it. Then he came around in front of me. He shocked me. I wasn't expecting this. He said, now, what I want you to do is raise your hands like this. I raised my hand. He said, now wave your hands and say hallelujah. I raised my hands. I said, hallelujah. He said, how's I feel? I said, good. He said, well, it fits. <laughs> well, I said, you're helping me, buddy. I'm going to tell you something. You got something eating that you, you can't raise your hands and say, hallelujah. It ain't a fit. Something needs to be turned loose. Woo. I mean, I had myself a time in the store there. I forgot about the sizes. I said, man, that's what he said. Just raise your hands like this toward heaven. Now say hallelujah. It fit. If Jacob's going to enjoy the blessings of God, and he has many, he's going to have to let go. I can't tell you what you need to let go of. But I do know that Jesus himself said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. I'm putting all this in your hands. Let's put it in his hands. Let's stand.